0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mastering Dungeons. I'm Sean Merwin, here with the well-traveled Teos Abadia. Hey, Teos.
1: Hey, Sean. I remember what my house is like, if only barely, Uh, but I'm really happy to be done with that. Um, And I saw my daughter off to college, which Mm -hmm. was uh, as deeply traumatic as it sounds. Yes. Hug all your kids twice for me. Um, Yeah. But uh along the way, while I was moving through airport terminals and marveling at the number of unmasked people, I uh I heard some DD news that I'm very excited to discuss with you.
0: Whoa, we do have a bit of news, and it's very odd because we have been doing this review of five E sort of with the with the hint that maybe we would start getting some playtest stuff or some news about the new edition, and we would lead up to it, but it they dropped it smack dab into the middle of of our. <laughs> they didn't think about that, us at all, Teos. They didn't. No, no. Wait I mean, they for us. Ask. They should have yeah. checked with us. But well, it we a actually, couple
1: more weeks. You know, yeah, at least a few.
0: But it, it actually worked out very well because we were all set to talk about race in uh-huh. in Five E and the playtest uh, content that they dropped digs into race as well as other origin material so we're we're just going to in the news section we're going to skip over the playtest packet and we're going to talk about it when we talk about our main topic which is 5e where it could be going and where it actually is going based on this new packet so we'll uh we'll get into that then sound good
1: yeah absolutely all right
0: so uh First, a couple things from our listeners. Uh, I'm calling that the listener tweet bag instead of mailbag. <laughs> um, because like I just I like the, the tweet bag. Once,
1: <laughs> I, tell I, you, I just like works. saying tweet
0: bag. Um, yeah, like so first from Andrew B at sword compass has the D and D definition and or player expectation of what quote role-playing means changed over time. Um, so what what did Andrew say yeah, so beyond he backed that? Back
1: this question up. Because I, when I first saw this question, I was like, what do you mean by that? You know, mm-hmm. role playing changed over time. But what he's really saying is, you know, back in the day, when you rolled an eight strength in the original editions, uh, you know, that was a thing you were expected to then use as the basis of your role playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if you chose the alignment chaotic, chaotic good, this then drove your role playing. And the race you chose, if you were a dwarf, well, then you were, you know, gruff and had a beard and, and, and what kind of beard do you have? And these, these are the things that sort of defined you and you sort of portrayed these various archetypes. But as we move into 5e and certainly, well, it was very true in 5e, your em- the emphasis is sort of, what do you want to play? What is your concept? And then the rules should sort of work to allow you to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of, it's, it's backwards, right? It's like we've flipped what it is. And I thought that was actually a really insightful comment Mm -hmm. because I hadn't really thought of it kind of that way, but it's true. Like now it's almost like the players want to say, I want to play a weak character. I would like innate strength. Right. And that's what Mm -hmm. point buys let you do. Yeah. Right. I'm a super dexterous ranger elf so i'm choosing elf and i'm doing this and i have these proficiencies and so you're building what you want versus in the olden days you'd roll you know 46 keep three and you would do that in order or depending on whatever your dm told you and and that was what you had to now play yeah and and, and it, yeah so it's it's switched right it's backwards which i think it's fascinating
0: yeah i i i think a lot depended on the group that you played with or you know how how you decided to play it Because regardless of the addition, there have been very few times where role-playing and the rules interacted in a way that meant anything to each other. Uh, Playing A, D, and D, you could say, you could role-play like you were the strongest person in the world. But the rules at some point stepped in to say, you can only carry so much. Or you have a penalty when you swing your sword. Or you can't lift this unless you roll a, you know, ninety nine or a hundred, or actually slow. So if you roll a, like a double zero or a one, um, right. But there was no nothing telling you to do that, um, and I don't think that's. There may be small bits of the game that have tried to emphasize role playing by using the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, fifth edition being one of those times where you know, we, we now get goals and, and uh you know traits and so on and inspiration is supposed to back that up. So they're they tried to put some rules in to, to help you role play. But you know, and the same yeah. thing the, the, the same thing with uh with uh alignment, right? You could write down your character's lawful good and in certain editions if you got a spell cast on you that affected good creatures, it would affect you. But you didn't have to role play your character like lawful good. You could go do evil things and you could go do chaotic things. And the only yeah, but, thing that would stop you would be the DM.
1: Well, yeah, because that's where, you know, if you're playing paladin and you back then you had to be lawful good. Mm-hmm. And if you did these chaotic things, let alone evil things and even neutral things, some DMs mm-hmm. would step forward and say, hey, you know, you, you lose your paladin abilities today. Right. Until you atone yeah. uh, or maybe even permanently until you atone. Um, or, or another way, you know, like I remember when we first played Dark Sun, a lot of us would look at the the available races and we'd say, oh, I've got to be a, a, a half giant. Right. That sounds awesome. Well, good luck, because rolling the stats for a half giant was really hard. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times players would basically lie about what they rolled so they could play a half giant or they'd go like, I'm going to play a half giant. Oh, no, I'm not. And they'd play something else. Right. And and that's where, you know, like. Really, things have changed. And what I really thought was this question maybe was coming from because, you know, Andrew's a listener. Thank you, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, is that when we're talking about how we're approaching design, and I think we're going to hit on this later towards the end of the show, but when you say, you know, here are your ability scores, here are mm-hmm. your bumps. That's where in, in the past you might, and I think we even saw like Crawford said in an interview that that he sort of thought and the team thought, oh, it's not that big a deal if we give you plus two to one ability and plus one to another or even a minus to one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas for players, it actually is a huge deal, right? When we want to be super good at something, we want the pluses in that ability, mm-hmm right and and that's because we want to define what we're playing rather than have that dictated to us, and yeah. that that is an important part of this whole design, I think is that idea of I want to tell you what I am, not mm. have you tell me, so therefore the the game should align with that process I'm going through
0: right, okay yeah, well, and i I think you and I disconnected on what role playing means i mm. you know yeah, I think what you were talking about more is setting and well, and and, or the and concept. Wh- yeah, a, a concept of where a character fits in the world. Because mm-hmm. um, that way, that I could see, yes. Um, you know,
1: like 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 for example, uh, you know, playing a dwarf, you often want to be hardy. So then you want those constitution points and that often aligns really well. But you may want to be a very strong dwarf. And so you want the ability, if that's your mm-hmm. concept, so you want the ability to add those points of strength. Versus having the game, you know, in the olden days, the game would just tell you whether you were strong or not. And you just had to deal with that. Right. And so maybe you, you couldn't be a, a particularly strong dwarf because the game just didn't give it to you. Mm-hmm. You could portray it through role-playing, but it would be inaccurate and there'd be stronger people succeeding at the strong right. things more yeah. often, right?
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Andrew, <laughs> I, I hope that helped. Uh, I don't know if it did at all. It maybe confused the issue even more. Uh and the second thing is a follow up from Eric Commander who last week we talked about alignment and he had a follow up that we'd like to talk about. He said regarding alignment you left out what I consider my secret sauce which is definitions of lawful and chaotic. This is where I found the most debate and disagreement in the community and I wish D&D would formally define them as I have. Lawful characters tend to place a higher value on moral consistency and order. Chaotic characters tend to place a higher value on moral flexibility and freedom. Is that too abstract? In my life, I've found these to be essential building blocks of everyone's personality. Um, uh, my answer to that is I really the same answer I had last week. Is it too abstract? Yes, I think it's too abstract for a game and technical manual, which is what we are designing here when we design a role-playing game like D&D. Because you say lawful characters... Uh, higher value on moral consistency, or what is moral? What is consistency? What is order? What is moral flexibility? What is freedom? If it's something that philosophers have been arguing about debating for two millennia, then I don't want it in my game because that's where you're going when you, when you use these, these terms, no matter how deep you get into the definition, it still means different things to different people. And it's still different in different situations. So then you have to say, well, when, when we say order, you know, are we talking about order of a society? Are we talking about order of religion? Are we talking about order of our personal interactions with each other? What exactly do you mean by order? And do any of those things then change? Um, could I be lawful in terms of how I do with other people, but chaotic when I deal with uh, laws of of a nation or laws of a society, right? Chaotic
1: and, in the streets, lawful yeah,
0: In the sh- okay, yeah. So 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 there you go. Uh, you're know, Right in technical writing, which is what D and D is as a game, as a role playing game, you need to define your terms and establish the parameters of those terms in relation to the overall schema of what you're writing. It, so if you first of all, if you don't define them well, if you leave the terms ambiguous. There's a problem. But if you use terms that players don't agree upon even after you define them or if there is a real world uh, uh, definition and you define it as something differently in your game, it's just as troublesome once we get going. And and the other point is uh, I try to eschew the in real life or simulationist uh, parts of game design i want i wanted the game to work as a game not the game to work as a simulation of mm-hmm. of real life be, why well because i could define moral flexibility and freedom as one thing and your experiences are going to be completely different right you grew up in Colombia. right i grew up in the united states Your probably your experience with laws my experience with laws as, as kids were different right and will change over time and so all of these things
1: yeah, and even it, north carolina to portland <laughs>
0: yeah yeah even probably more so <laughs> different uh, outlook yeah exactly so you know all of these things are are just so hard to pin down and pinning down is exactly what we need yeah. to do when we create these complicated technical documents that are role playing games
1: yeah, and I, I still kind of feel like I did last week, which is that um, while these are, are, are fine sort of definitions to apply to, say, chaos and law, I don't particularly find that they're useful uh, to just state, like, here's what an alignment is, tell me what you are. I don't, I don't see any point in that that particularly helps the community or to, to, to just say that there's this axis doesn't really help unless the game really be- revolves around it and and that's where I I, what I said last week I would love to see D&D 5e really choose a campaign setting and make that stick. You know, Planescape, Dragonlance, both of those would work where you could say there is this axis in this setting and how you work a- around it matters and impacts things. And Dragonlance mm-hmm. does a kind of neat angle on that, right, where they say Hey, devastation came to the world because the lawful people were too lawful. Mm -hmm. They were lawful to the point where it really wasn't good. It was harmful. Mm -hmm. And so the gods walked away. And yet at the same time, the knightly order who was lawful and, and maybe more proper is trying to win back the people because it's concept of law has been lost and not understood. And, and a lot of other areas like that. And I think there could be cool stories there, but the whole game has to line with that. Exactly. And I don't know that it's worthwhile in this day and era to try to do that. I think a setting could try to do it and that could be fun. But honestly, all of it to me is something that I would replace with something like 13th ages system where it mm-hmm. says, tell me your one unique thing. And to right. me, when we're just talking about what we're doing with a game, relating to other people at the table, declaring who our character is in a way that's graspable and fun for the other players. Those are the goals, not alignment. And if alignment does that, cool, but I don't know that it's doing it anymore. And it's much better to say, here's my one unique thing. Mm -hmm. And it, it resonates with players way more.
0: Yeah. Or better yet, right? Tell me what your goals are. I will throw things in front of you. And we will see how you act in pursuit of those goals.
1: Yeah, and and for goals, I'd look at something like, say, Star Wars Saga, which had destinies, which were a very clear thing to players and DMs, and also tied to the lore of Star Wars. Whereas if we look at, like, goals, ideals, all of this that 5e has... You can't remember all of it. The DM mm-hmm. can't. The other players can't. And so then it stops working and resonating because it's all too grayish. And and, and even the own player, like when, you, when you're if you go through a character creation and you try to set up all those personality traits, there are too many for you to really understand. And the concept is not high enough or, you know, right. applicable enough. It's not iconic enough. Right.
0: Right. And, and then you get the idea of characters changing over time. So if you say my character is lawful good and I always do what is lawful good and the the adventure sets you up and you decide to do something that other people don't consider lawful good what's what is should you be punished for that or is that just part of the story mm-hmm. and so you know that it get, sometimes gets in the way of that ongoing story that you are trying to tell as a group um you know within the encounters and within the adventures that you're running yeah. Uh, so. Great question. Yeah. A, yeah. A fun. I mean, it's great to talk about. It's hard to define. It's hard to get the perfect answer, which is like everything in D&D. Right. Right. It's <laughs> yeah. there's if you move too far in one direction or, you know, if you make it perfect for one thing, it ends up being not perfect for another. And that leads us directly into the D&D news from last week, which yeah, I mean... is huge.
1: It, it's tremendous. I mean, we were told sort of back starting a couple of weeks ago, like, hey, there's going to be this Wizards Presents event. And, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's worth checking out. The, the, the D&D YouTube channel has replays of both the enormous live thing and then sort of D&D segments of it. But essentially, it was almost a Disney-style presentation of both the, the year to come, like all of the releases we expect for next year in D&D and it was which is very similar to marvel right where they almost like show logos for each show or movie that's coming out it was it was like that um with these kind of badges showing all the releases and we'll talk about those and then they also shared things they'd already talked about and then they gave sort of snippets of their vision through pre-recorded pieces with staff and it was really cool to see all this diverse staff featured Right, yeah. People who don't often get to be in the cameras, which was awesome.
0: Yeah, it was, it was really nice to see. I, I enjoyed the, the presentation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was discussed? Well, first and foremost is 1D&D. Wizards of the Coast announced that in 2024, they will put out a revision of D&D 5E called 1D&D is the code name, kind of like D&D Next was uh, the playtest version that led to 5th edition. What do we know about one D and D? It's supposed to be backwards compatible with the 2014 five uh, E D and D. They want it to be the final edition of D and D, since since uh-huh. fifth edition only needs minor additions. They want this to be uh-huh. the final edition, and then w- they will tweak and update from there.
1: You know, Gary Gygax in mm-hmm. uh, the original Dungeons and Dragons box set and. In- when was that? 73? 74. 74? Yep. Uh, said the same thing, that this would yes. be the only edition of D&D and you didn't need more books or rules. And in fact, you didn't need adventures either. So that was kind of mm-hmm. cool. And it turned out to not be the case. Yep.
0: Yep. <laughs> and then if you didn't play a D and d using all the rules, uh, you weren't actually playing D&D. And third edition certainly seemed like it was going to be that and you know I think every edition at one point they said this is going to be the last and, edition.
1: And 5E we were truly told by uh mm-hmm. you know major folks who were leading the D&D team 5E is the last edition and and now we're updating it. So Yep. I don't know that I I believe this and that's okay. I don't have to. Right. I think the 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 concept behind it uh of saying let's make a and d that You know we don't need to i think what you know what i'm hearing is we don't need to vastly change what 5e is right cool i think we're mostly on you know most of us are going to be on board with that Mm -hmm. uh really the vast majority will be um and and let's try to make it like it's going to be the the last edition right i just think beyond that it's marketing and let's not pretend that we're not going to have a 10e someday because we want advances and changes over time right yeah, so it, that, which is why we're advancing yeah. and changing 5e.
0: <laughs> right, society changes, things change, yeah, uh, things everything change. changes. Um, but yeah, you know, like you said, it's it's a it's a good goal to have, I guess. Um, yeah. p- uh, setting aside the impracticality of it in mm-hmm. the long run. Uh, so the good news, though, is that we will we'll be getting a steady release of playtest packages, at least once a month to let us playtest this new version, this one D&D, and give feedback, just like we did with D&D Next. Um, and within a few hours, the first packet was launched, focusing on character creation, specifically character origins. Now, we're going to talk about character origins in our main uh, section, where we were already going to talk about races and what 5e does with races and what might change, so we'll we'll get to that. Uh, so let's skip down. Oh, and the, the first survey for this first packet will be up in early September, uh, apparently. So let's go down and talk about some of the other things that were announced, such as the Dragonlance book and board game. You want to give a little rundown on that?
1: Yeah. So at, at, on the surface level, this was a reiteration of what we heard in April's D and D direct. There's going to be a Dragonlance shadow of the dragon queen adventure, and it's going to be primarily an adventure that then lays down the setting through that adventure. It's a new story not told, be- told before that takes place during the War of the Lance, which is the typical period people think of with Dragonlance. It's a story focused on war, but it takes place in sort of a new area of the, of the land of Kryn, um, such that it isn't colliding with those previous stories told before. Mm-hmm. That's what we understand. Uh, then we also have Dragonlance Warriors of Crin, which is a board game designed by the very awesome Rob Deveau and Stephen Baker. And that's all about mass battles with the option that while you're running the Shadow of the Dragon Queen RPG campaign, you can pull in this board game at various points to cover those mass battles. Cool idea. I love the concept. Uh, and now we get to the new part, which is... How they're selling this to us, and there's some really big news here, Sean
0: all right, tell me about it i didn't I well, didn't hear this part
1: okay, so the normal book cover, like you're used to, you know like you can get from Amazon, fifty bucks, sure. you know, great, you can get that then there's the alternate cover, which we've had in the past, so mm-hmm. and this thing is a thing of gorgeous, gorgeous beauty. I mean, I think most people are thinking this is probably the best alt cover before, we've ever seen <laughs> of Lord Soth. Kind of his face helmet up close, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's also fifty bucks. And the only way you can get this cover is to go to your local gaming store and give them your money as you should. Mm-hmm. Um, so fantastic! What could be? Well, we wouldn't want to complicate that further. Oh well, there is the board game for one hundred forty-five dollars.
0: Yeah. Wait, 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 you said four hundred forty-five? It's 145.
1: one hundred forty-five. Oh, thank you, one hundred forty-five. Yeah. Yes. Okay, very, okay, very just, a, just just to make 145. sure, one forty-five. Yeah, but there is more. Because now you can get a deluxe edition bundle, which is the adventure where the book, I think, is a foil version of the normal cover. So normal cover, a little bit of shiny pieces here and there. Mm-hmm. You may or not care. The board game and a DM screen that only comes in this bundle. Okay. That, I mean, I've got the price tag, 145 so that might be... Incorrect. I was going to
0: say that's a, that's a pretty yeah. that's a pretty good deal. Uh,
1: that'd be too much of a steal. You know, okay. Amazon has it, so uh, if if I'm able to find it, I will I will look it up. But 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 the the interesting thing is this bundle is available through Amazon or wherever. Okay. And um, the you can then add to this. You can go <laughs> further, which is to get the the Shadow of the Dragon Queen Deluxe Edition bundle. Adds the word bundle to it. Mm-hmm. And this incorporates D&D Beyond. You okay. get a November 22nd early edition or early access digital copy of the adventure on D&D Beyond, which will then be the digital version from then on out. Uh, and you have this exclusive foil cover, which I think is the same one as the one we just talked about. Okay. And that is 155 So basically $10 more to get the, the digital access. D&D Beyond thing, which is a steal if you want both. Mm -hmm. free shipping because it's coming through the D and D store. Ooh. And that makes you wonder, wait, 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 are we like bypassing distributors now is wizards now getting like a lot more money with each sale. Yeah. Ooh, that's really interesting. Um, and by the way, I think it's actually 200, 315 is the bundle. Okay. of, Of the everything. But, um, but well I'll have to look that up i'm I'm not sure what it is it's, right. it's hard or maybe my board game price is wrong. that's probably what it is. I don't know it's complicated.
0: maybe it was four hundred forty five
1: <laughs> No I looked at the wrong thing uh it, it's hard. I'll try to find the price before we we finish here but um okay. the uh but what's really captivating to me is is this this bundling with um uh, with d and d beyond in fact, there is a book bundle, sixty dollars. so you take the fifty dollar price of your normal cover book. And then you also get the early access digital D&D Beyond version. Here's one catch that has (laughs) some people like Merrick, a black man, a little angry. This is U.S. only. So, you know, there is this sort of thing where like, hey, we're this global happy family. And you're going to have some U.S. folks who on November 22nd can see it. And the rest of the world has to wait to December 6th and or whenever their localized version shows up. Mm. So I think there there are some non-ideal aspects here that that are a little tough and Mm. uh and we'll have to see how they all work out but
0: yeah that's a that's a lot it's a lot of news for just one little bundle of products but it does have a lot of interesting elements including that wizards uh store yeah it
1: really does and i'm curious how that changes their profit margin um but it and and it it this will create a little bit of tug you know there's going to be something Mm. here that creates that sort of tug between your your local gaming store your amazon or whatever there, there's there's a yeah. lot in play here
0: and not only did we get the announcement about something we already knew which was the dragon lance book and board game we got new products uh being teased for 2023 we're looking at five hardcover releases uh First, Keys from the Golden Vault, which they describe as Oceans 11 meets D&D in this book of short adventures revolving around heists. And that will be the first one in the early winter of 2023. Second is Bigby Presents Glory. Wait, wait, wait.
1: I mean, I just got to say, didn't we have Dragon Heist? (laughs)
0: Oh, that wasn't a
1: heist, was it?
0: Smaller heist, <laughs> is, is, is. but it it, it, yeah, it it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, we've seen Salt Marsh. We've seen, uh, you know these these books and and the Radiant Citadel. These sh- sort of short adventure books that seem to be they must be selling well, uh, because they continue to put them out. Um, yeah. Next we get Big B presents Glory of the Giants. Think of Fizban's Dragon Book, but Big B presenting Giants. All about giants. We've seen some unearthed Arcana uh, content that that deals with giants, so I would guess that it would fit in that vein and be a giant-themed book for both DMs and players. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And- sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah. You know, it, it's it's always interesting to me when we sort of revisit things a bit. So, like. You know, fizzbands I think felt different enough than say the Tyranny of Dragons storyline that it made sense while the book existed. I'm curious how well it works to say, okay, we had Storm King as a giant adventure, but now we're really gonna do a book that's all about giants.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I I can't say I hate it. I can't say I love it. It it is it is a thing that will exist. And hopefully will people exist. will buy it if they want it. Um, You
1: know, I was wondering, Sean, mm -hmm. just last week, I was like, wait, is the new starter set that we reviewed in detail, is that mean that the old starter set goes away? And if so, why? I mean, they gave it away for free on D&D Beyond. What's that all mean? And boy, did we get our answer.
0: Yeah, we did. There will be a Fandelver campaign. So it expands the classic Lost Mine of Fandelver into a full campaign tinged with cosmic horror. So you can get the, uh, you know, the old version of the Lost Mind Adventure from the original Starter Set for free, and now you can buy a full campaign in the summer of 2023. And yeah, Fan Delvers, cool. We we set uh, an episode of our Acquisitions Incorporated Adventure there to to come back to some of the nostalgia and play off of that. So there have been a few adventures that have revisited. So, hey, you know, more more adventure is more good. So why not? Absolutely. Uh, Next is the Book of Many Things, a collection of creatures, locations, and other goodies that are connected to the mysterious deck of many things. And what this says to me is, you know, we created a bunch of stuff over the last few years that may not have made it into a book. Or maybe we canceled a book or two that we've done some work on. Let's just throw everything into uh, this book of many things. And we'll we'll, uh, theme it with the deck of many things, which people love. And it'll be a good thing to put out in the fall of 2023, along with another book that uh, is going to be coming. Uh, Any thoughts on the book of many things?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that's where, yeah, this is one of these where I don't know what you're telling me this is. Um, I loved what was done with the deck of many things when they created Gardmore Abbey in yep. fourth edition, you know, a super adventure where the idea was, hey, things go wrong when someone pulls from the deck of many things. Here's this adventure that's going to use the deck and provide you with a copy of the deck. I think that was a really cool concept. Um, but it's not clear, you know, is this just sort of Tasha's but around the deck of many things as a concept?
0: You know, okay, maybe. Yeah.
1: So, you know, that's that's less interesting to me. But, hey, you know, you've got to write books of stuff. Yeah. And you got to have a concept for it because the concept sells. I get that. So, fine.
0: Yeah. That's, <laughs> it's all good. And then, finally, Planescape confirmed. Like Spelljammer, this will be a three-book slipcase with a setting guide, a bestiary, and an adventure campaign coming out in the fall of 2023. Quite likely the last... A hardcover big release before the player's handbook of whatever D and D one D and D is or whatever they end up calling it. That will probably be the next one after that.
1: So, what was interesting to me about the Spelljammer concept? I mean, I have a lot of friends who love Spelljammer, or sorry, who love Planescape, um, but it, they said that you know it's going to be the slipcase format. And I'm curious whether that's the best format for Planescape.
0: Yeah. I, Um, I personally like the, the three book thing. Uh, Yeah. I, and not for any particular storage reason. I like dividing it up into Mm -hmm. the, the best form for use. So you know, I can give the adventure book to somebody, I can keep the setting guide or I can give the setting guide to the players and I can keep the adventure, you know, th- that yeah, sort of yeah. thing. I, I don't, I don't mind it at all. Um, but then again, I read most of the things I do online now, so it doesn't really mean much to me, uh, how it is, uh, formatted as long as it's readable on whatever device I'm on. So,
1: yeah, yeah, that's fair. I'm, uh, I, uh, I'm i just curious. Planescape is such a potentially enormous setting. And what I saw with Spelljammer, right, is that we got very lean rules for anything related to sort of how you move around in a Spelljammer. And, and like when you looked at the amount of space, if you look at the amount of space that's available once you spend time on the monsters and on the adventure it's really small and so it's like what what will that book focus on um you know is it going to give mm-hmm. us rundowns of each of the planes uh our friend Will Doyle was talking about maybe it should just be all based on sigil and maybe it should be yeah. but but i kind of really like the planes and so i'm curious how well this format gives them that space to to really give you a planescape setting
0: yeah i i think we're to the point now where where wizards is not worried about new players because they know that in 2024, that's when their big new player push is going to be. I shouldn't say they're not worried about it. They're not worried about it in their main releases or this so, release with this release. Yeah, with this sure release see that. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, because they, they don't want to make a, you know, six 300 page books on every plane that's out there and, and what's going on with every plane. But if you give me sigil and all of the, factions and all of the intrigue that goes on there and then in the adventure or you know in the setting guide give me give me sigil and then give me just the briefest of descriptions about the planes yeah uh then in the adventure show me how how you think a planescape campaign should run and i can go make my own with with the information and the bestiary that you're giving me yeah Yeah, that's fair yep so tell me about dristmania
1: (laughs) The first thing is, you know, we blew people's minds when we talked about how many uh, novels there are for for you know, like all of Forgotten Realms and stuff like that. So there are 37 Drizzt novels, which is a lot, and it is the 35th anniversary of Drizzt. So we can see exactly how busy R.A. Salvatore has been. Um, but there are going to be new alt covers to celebrate the 35th anniversary i'm not sure if that's new alt covers of like the core series of like legend of 2 one two three whatever or if it's all 37 but either way new covers are coming out there uh there is a new visual dictionary which is a sort of what i'd call a coffee table book but a book that chronicles lore creatures weapons personages into a, a sort of pretty tome that you would like to you know flip through and look at it's it's perfect for the holidays that kind of book uh, and then there is a webcomic uh, for the Drizzt family featuring Brie, the tween daughter of Drizzt and Katty Bree, Brie, uh, where she decides to borrow Drizzt's sword, Twinkle, to prove she's a hero. Um, so there's
0: another expression of it. Some... Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big Drizzt fan, but I can get down with that. <laughs> I'm going to make an executive decision. And we're going to talk about one more bit of news, and then we're going to... We'll come back to the rest of the news next week because I really want to dig into some of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the... But I thought this was... this To me, this was bigger news than even the 1D&D. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is the in-store promos uh-huh. that they're doing. So Wizards of the Coast is going to be sending Learn to Play Weekend demo kits to stores through its WPN Wizards Play Network program. Um This will support the official full launch of Dragons of Stormwreck Isle uh, in the on the first week of October, October 7th through 9th. Um, so they will schedule in-store events. And this is the first time in a long time, as Teos notes here, uh, that there will be in-store events with big support uh, through, through things like a kit. Yeah. So they're going to okay. send kits to stores. Okay. The kits will contain a poster for the event, a poster for the Adventurers League, that's something uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know if we were going to see again. Two sets of guides for Dungeon Masters, pre-generated characters and counter cards, uh, handouts for players, 20 dice pouches, and an instruction sheet for organizers to show you know, how to do these things. Uh, the idea behind this is that the stores can use the, these kits to run a half-hour demo, and these can be expanded into a full two-hour sort of mini-adventure using the first part of the starter set. There are also guidelines on hosting an ongoing starter set game designed to cover four two-hour sessions between October 10th and November 20th. Uh, To me, this is something that Wizards does well for a short time, sometimes for a long time, and then just completely falls apart on and then comes back. This to me, this uh I don't want to say this reeks of because reeks is, is a bad thing. But Chris Tulak, I this is like I read this. I'm like, okay, Chris is back.
1: Feels like his hand.
0: Yep. Chris, Chris is back and focused on doing his magic and bringing. You're right, Chris did D and D encounters, and that was hugely successful, and that was Shoot. you know an amazing uh success for for uh, Wizards of the Coast. And this to me. Hopefully, is the first salvo in a battle uh, of Wizards to bring D anD D into gaming stores. And I've heard people complaining that Wizards doesn't support gaming stores, and they're turning their back, and they want to drive gaming stores out of business, which is ridiculous because that's how they sell magic. Right. So they definitely don't want to gaming stores to go out of business. Um, so hopefully, this promo and the, these kits will be helpful in, you know, bringing. Even if it's not new players, you know bringing players into contact with each other in in a game store setting
1: yeah i'm I'm really excited about this this i love these kinds of support uh event um uh, what do you call it? programs uh they're they're fantastic for driving play I've been involved with them a lot back when in, in fourth edition especially but also in in previous editions um and they are super exciting. They really create community at the local level. You you almost can't overstate how important they are to bringing in new players. And and I've I've shared this before on the show. But you know, with, with D&D encounters, I was blown away by how many players showed up at the gaming store who I'd never met met before in the Portland scene. And we were one of like five stores in the area and we had 300 people in just two seasons of Dean encounter unique people Mm -hmm. who came in I didn't know there were 300 players in the whole Portland area you know and not only clearly there are way more than that and this is a great way to bring in new people so I'm glad to see this even if it is just using the starter set and sort of introducing those pieces uh please more of this I'm excited
0: yep all right with that let's get into our main topic which is 5e revisited but also 5e okay here comes the new edition so what did we learn from this new playtest packet uh it's a great question teos what did we learn from this new playtest packet
1: i mean there's so much right so this playtest package is hard to understand and there the, and the reaction online has been and maybe we start with that 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 mm-hmm. The reaction line has at times been pretty negative in a sort of aggressive fashion mm-hmm. um which happened during d and d next as well right mm-hmm. It brings out vitriol when people see their 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 cheese moved uh and and change can be really hard, and you can be in a in a very different place you know one player might be in a position where they go, "Hey, I'm just getting started with five e v why is it changing someone else mm-hmm. might say. I've been playing it from the beginning and honestly, I'm ready for an entire new edition and and, and everything in between. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard when a company tries to do what Wizards is doing, which is just to say, we want to hear from you. <laughs> and a yeah. lot of times people respond, great, let me vomit <laughs> yeah. an answer at you, uh, you know, or let me hurl blood and feces. And, and none of that is, is, is useful um, because what we want is to provide good feedback that. Wizards can collate with all the other feedback, because what I want, what Sean wants are, are not the same things uh, and aren't necessarily what's best for the game. True. So, so Wizards has to pull that together. What makes me feel good about it is, hey, d d Next sometimes felt like, oh, God, is this going to work? and hey fifth edition came out to be a really good program so yeah. so these things can work right and and uh, and it's worth going through this process as much as it may hurt all of us a bit our brains in various ways to right. see the vitriol or whatever and it may be difficult on the designers uh you know designers mm-hmm. take breaks you know be kind to yourself um yeah. because this is how how it unfortunately often goes but what we got was we got a package that is all about the origins and it contains a lot of things that are different that are hard to properly assess because we're not seeing what else is there yeah we don't know what the monsters will look like or what um you know an example of an adventure or, or any other number of options that could be out there that could balance or play off of these things classes right right could play off of all these changes and we don't know that
0: yeah yeah it's like teo said we're we're seeing a just a tiny piece of a huge puzzle uh, and we can see what the designers are thinking with the understanding that this is a play test and they know that things aren't perfect and they're just trying to get a feel for how fans will react or um, not, not even how fans will react, although that's part of it, right? That's the marketing side of mm-hmm. things. Um how they play D um, anD D, yeah. and that to me that is that is a huge question. That I think Wizards probably has the best idea that they ever have of how people play D anD D, because they now have D anD D Beyond to show how people build characters and make choices and do these things. Um, they have live streams that they can watch, and yeah. you know people commenting on them. They they have more information more data than they've ever had now how they use that data is a completely different thing right. um, but until since we don't know why these changes were made we can you know we can only react with our own personal feelings for it right uh you know we don't know if there's a business reason to do a thing. True. We don't know if there's a technology reason to do a thing. We don't know if there is a corporate reason to do a thing. So we just, yeah, you know, we try to absorb how it affects our game, yeah, the game if, that if we I can play. Give an
1: e- example of that Sean, like if yeah. you if if we try to put ourselves in the place of you know a manager at Wizards who 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 wants to see the game grow and exist and be supported and to do that it has to support salaries it has to support mm-hmm. design it it has to have a reason to keep making that isn't just as cold as the profit it's about what all of that revenue allows to happen and so it's a legitimate legitimate thing to do to sit in a meeting and say to your team hey what stuff can we sell and someone might go feats we could sell people feats Mm-hmm. Okay, but how do we keep people from being overwhelmed? Well, let's give them a level. Right. And and those are the kinds of things that can happen that might seem cold and businessy, but it's really because what we're trying to do is have a and d that lasts for decades and mm-hmm. supports people working on it and the game being actively designed. Because if we don't find those answers and people create products that are not appealing, well, mm-hmm. everybody has to shut down and stop working on it and the yeah. game dies. So Yeah, you know so what happens
0: then? A new edition. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yep.
0: Uh yeah, so so there you know all of that goes into to what we're going to yeah. to be talking about. And I also want to mention right there is no right or wrong way to to do this. There are yeah. there are obvious mistakes that can be made. But sure. there are so many different play styles there, are so many different t- types of players that one person's beautiful rule that opens up the world to them is someone else's, I'm never gonna play this game because of this. So three
1: rules that we find mediocre might together come together to create play that actually is exceptional.
0: mm -hmm, Exactly.
1: Right? Board games do that all the time. You might not love an individual rule, but when you see what they do, that interaction of those things, you're like, oh that's why I like playing this
0: game. And since as Teo said, we don't have classes here. We don't have monsters here. We don't have a bunch of other things here that may be that, that perfect key that unlocks something uh, that we, we're not seeing. Uh, we can only discuss what's here uh, intelligently, although we can speculate unintelligently, uh, as we often do. And,
1: and design geeks can also enjoy this process because one of the things that we saw was just some style changes. And D&D has yeah. been sort of very, like, this is our sacrosanct style. None may alter it. You must do the things the way we did. And one of the first things they did was now keywords of many things are capitalized where they weren't before. There was this Mm -hmm. sort of emphasis on keeping things lowercase. And now like spell names are capitalized and other things like that. So all of the uh, design shops are going to have to like update their style guides because this is all changing. Uh, There is a new term called the D20 test which mm-hmm. is when we're referring to the threesome of ability checks, attack rolls, and saving throws, we can now just use this new term D20 test. Mm-hmm.
0: So, right. And and this goes to the point I was making earlier about technical writing and, and making, mm-hmm. making terminology and sticking to it and making it, you know, as simple as you can while still being utile enough to make it fit seamlessly and, and easily into the rest of, uh, the game, the rest of the document that you're writing. So now we're now seeing D20 test, uh, which will, which should tell us that there aren't going to be any D20 roles other than ability checks, attack rolls, and saving throws. Okay. Uh, and so the, the, this whole document talks about your origin, uh, which brings into play three different concepts The first two capitalized in the third one, lowercase. (laughs) The first is race. The second is background. Those are the two capitalized terms. And then a language is the third term. And that is not capitalized uh, for whatever that's worth. So your origin is now a thing that is a group that's separate from your class. And we know this because the text says, after choosing your character's class, it's time to consider their origin. This is completely different from everything that I can remember yeah. from D&D so far. Before yeah. it was, you know, choose your race, choose yeah. your stats. And maybe you are choosing your stats before this week. We're not 100% sure yet. Um, but so now the class is the, comes before your race and your background, um, mm-hmm. which right right there to me this emphasizes game over story because if you're telling a story of your character what's the first thing that your character would be it would be its its species its race whatever you want to call it yeah the second thing it would be is its background what it became Mm -hmm. uh and then it would choose a class after it is mature enough to to have one of those uh have a class. So this is, this is doing things backwards. I, it's yeah. not good or bad. It just shows you a different sort of development or design paradigm.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think we will, I mean, let's dive into it because I, I think that that idea of background being up front uh, and and we're not sure whether it's before or after ability scores, but it creates a, a a little bit of a collision with that process um so let, let's get into backgrounds. so backgrounds do a number of things one is they will all grant a feat so our, our are <laughs> you know, we have worried that this might be the case that that's where the tea leaves were pointing mm-hmm. and sure enough it's clear uh however they are now feats now have a level tag that uh mean that our level one feats can be simpler we'll talk mm-hmm. more about feats later but uh, and we a feat will also have ability scores. It'll grant plus two to one and plus one to the other, which is what Ancestry Erase was doing. Um, and that's fine in that I you know one of the problems we had was in saying all dwarves are, all mm-hmm. elves are. And so that's why we saw fifth edition start moving towards this Ancestry concept and say, hey, just give plus two to one score, give plus one to the other. But now this is happening with your background which I think is less of a thing that we tend to think of up front.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we presum- and we're doing our ability scores separately and so this this creates a process issue yeah. in my mind. Yeah. And I don't well, know why I don't like this ability score being here. This is my first being full out negative. Well, I don't I think this is the wrong yeah. place to put that a score.
0: Right. And the pro- the problem is it's not even really connected to background because it says build your own background, right? So if you're building your own background, then you can put the plus two and the plus one or the three plus ones anywhere you want. Uh, But then they give you not suggested backgrounds, but here are some examples of backgrounds in which they put ability scores, which means if you are building a character by choosing pre-made backgrounds, Instead of your race doing this, it's your background that's doing it, and it has the same problem that putting them with race does, it, right. not in the sense of like bioessentialism, but in right. the terms of well, now I want a plus two in strength because I'm a fighter, so I have to find the background that gives me a plus two strength. So now yeah. all soldiers are fighters, and right. and it's it's limiting, um, you know, the the uniqueness of the character by doing that. Yeah, I
1: mean, this would straight up require me to remake my characters, right? If you think about Mm -hmm. backwards compatible, right? All of my characters have a background. Right. And now that background is giving bonuses that the race Mm -hmm. used to give. I have to remake all my characters and and may want to now change my background, or I have to customize how my artisan Mm -hmm. actually gets a bonus to dexterity instead of the stated plus two intelligence plus one charisma. I just... Move it to the point by, like why is it here don't
0: right, right. Who are we e- well, e- either move it either move it to where you create your characters, like you say the point by the rolling, however you create your ability scores, just move it there and say, add plus two to one and add plus one to another, but if you need to put it in with something else, why are not we putting it in class because that seems to be where most of our yeah. that 's where most of our Skills are not our skills, but our traits, our, our powers, our abilities, the things that we use the most, yeah. right? The fighter things, the, the spell casting, the, the sneak attack, all of those yeah. things yeah, so. are are based in class. So why are we not putting it in class? Because that's where you don't say to a new player, do you want to be fast, smart, uh, strong, charismatic, wise? Okay, we're going to add plus two to Wisdom. Now, what do you want to play? Well, I want to play a fighter. Well, we just added your plus two to Wisdom. So, you know, and it's it's yeah. it's not wrong to do that because we, we're not all power gamers uh, who want the exact, you know, the highest number in the stat. that, that But most people want to be effective.
1: Well, in, and <laughs> in like fourth edition, straight up told you, and fifth edition too, right? Yeah. It, the, both editions tell you, hey, you're a rogue, so you want your top's you know, yeah. attribute to be dexterity, and then you want mm-hmm. to consider this and that and the other. Right. So, I, yeah, I would almost put it. I would put all of character, all of your attribute generation, mm-hmm. selection after class, because class can yeah. also introduce builds, right? Where you could be like the right. rogue that is all about mauling people versus the maul- the rogue that is dexterous or sure you know, a battle master that maybe is a fighter that needs more wisdom than otherwise, you know, whatever. So, right. Right. So I, yeah, it's weird to have it in background and it's very strange to have that disconnect. I agree with you of of like, Hey, it didn't work well with race. Well, let's commit the same sin with backgrounds
0: instead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and like, you know, this is a play test, so they're just, they're Mm -hmm. just testing things out, but you know, let's, let's just get to a thing that makes it the easiest for new players and makes it make the most sense in terms of the rules that you're putting yeah. forward, um, and you know you can say and like you said and and you know you're going to be a fighter, you probably want the plus two in your strength, uh, and and the plus one, well, you know depends on what else you want to be yeah, good maybe at. It's
1: con maybe right. it's something else, yeah. right?
0: And then you say, but if you're an archer, you might want it in the plus two in dexterity because uh-huh. that's how how archers. You know, you can give all of that information up front, and it doesn't have to take up big sections of your, of your text. You can just lay it out for for folks. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm
1: um, the other thing that we see here with background is a, a sort of set package of everybody gets a language, two skills, a tool proficiency. And starting equipment, which is now normalized to be the same value of 50 gold because, you know, we wouldn't want to cheat someone out of that. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that's all fine. Um, you know, in general, I find that backgrounds, uh, and, and we're going to hit on this later, but but I was listening to Chris Sims talk about this packet. And one of the things he, he pointed out was, you know, are the rules facilitating your vision or are the mechanics either in the way or not realizing it? And, right. you know, background is something where I feel like when I read the fifth edition backgrounds as they stand in the original version 2014, I, I, it's almost like I, none of these are what I had in my brain, but I kind of go, oh, that's fun. I guess I'll be, you know, a charlatan or an artisan mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, it's not really realizing my vision as much as imposing a new angle. And because of that, I want them to be as light as possible. And the addition of a feat to me busies it in a way that I don't like.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, especially if it's not choose a feat. It's This is the only feat that you can take uh, as opposed to, you know, maybe consider these three feats for your background. And, and this comes back to that something I'm sure I've mentioned before, which is, you know, the, the rules do more than just lay out the mechanics of the game they also dot tie directly to world building and they also mm-hmm. tie directly to storytelling you know role playing your character and the more you can intertwine those three the better but it gets much much more complicated when when you try to do that and i i often go back to the question mm-hmm. of you know, if if class is what carries most of the weight of the mechanics of what your character can do, do you want backgrounds and races or these other sort of packages that build who your character is to carry that weight as well, or or do you do you want just to have the races be a storytelling, role playing, world building thing, and the backgrounds be the same? Because if you're, if your race, Hmm. you know, it gives you dark vision and you don't have to sleep as much and and it gives you these, Oh, you're resistant to poison. Um, whereas this other thing lets you attack, you know, do a breath weapon. Um, that's sort of, there's no such thing as game balance. I want to get that clear, but it, it it sort of forces your hand in, in some senses, um, like the, what
1: the, I would, yeah, what? I, would I, I agree with what you're saying and, and what you're saying makes me think like what I actually want out of this is remove all the sample backgrounds. And that sounds scary to me, but, um, mm-hmm. but I think that those kind of cloud my mind when I look at them, it feels like I've got to pick one or modify one when I, what, what I think the game would be better off doing is driving you through the process of telling your story Mm -hmm. and it should just be a process-based approach of saying okay what did your character used to do give Mm -hmm. that a title yeah um choose two skills that represent what you did Mm -hmm. choose a tool proficiency that represented what you did and choose a language you learned while doing it Mm -hmm. and and that's your background Yeah, And I think that would be a better process towards what the game wants to do, where 5e wants to be in terms of role-playing, interactivity, online play, any of it. Um, I think that would all be better served than a player having to read all of these preset things. Even if we Mm -hmm. say customizing is the default, by virtue of putting all this stuff here, you're forcing a player to read this. And it's going to take you 20 minutes to read Mm -hmm. all these, if not longer. Right. And they've added more than before, right? We now have yeah. uh, a few extra ones like cultists and stuff. And, you know, labor, like just because when I played, say, shadow the demon Lord, you know, I just came up with a concept of like, oh, I'm a grave digger. Mm-hmm. That's right. what I was. Yeah. And, and that's not in the book. I just came up with it. And it's yeah, I think that that's my point is I right. would just make I, a process that's light and quick to define yourself.
0: Right. Done. Well. Or as I mentioned before, make it a little mini game. Make mm-hmm. it the, the, a session zero that normalizes this sort of tell the story of your character up to this point without worrying about the rules yeah. getting in the way, and that helps the DM make stories. It helps the other players, um, you know, if you're playing in a campaign, uh, you know, connect with you, and it just it's better for the, the storytelling role playing world building aspect. Cause then the DM can say, well, you know, you wanted to be a grave digger, but actually in this world, we don't have graves. Everyone burns the dead. Mm-hmm. So you could be a, you know, a, a, yeah. embalmer or, yeah, uh, or is. yeah, you could be Actionator. that instead. Yes. There you go. <laughs> uh, because that, and then everybody gets, you know, the world, yeah. uh, understand the world. And instead of, Doing it like this, and I understand why you have to do this sometimes because you want to build a quick character and you want packages that fit together nicely. And it's it's not wrong to do it this way. It's just it it can turn into clunky or it can turn into well, the only skills I know that that really come up are stealth and perception. Yeah, so, but, but this I'm going you know, to just find the yeah. the yeah. one that gives me those two, and everyone is now the stealth perception uh, background.
1: Which is fair, but you'll spend more time reading over all these uh prepackaged ones than mm-hmm. you would if you just said, here's what I want. I'm going to build it. So yep. just help me build it and get rid of all this yeah. extraneous stuff.
0: Yeah. it's I, and,
1: and what you could do is give me suggesting suggested titles. Like if you just said farmer, gladiator, guard, guide, et cetera, then anybody could just go, well, yeah, I want to be a farmer. And I'm gonna be a farmer that gets, you know, these skills. And and mm-hmm. because why would it have to be animal handling in nature? It doesn't have to be. It can be sure. whatever your story tells you. Right. And that's where just the titles would be good enough. You don't need to do all this work for me. Yeah. Um the other thing is this idea of giving you gear as a result of it. That does get a little tricky um because it sends you shopping, and I'm not sure what the best way to handle that is, but but I mm-hmm. I, I worry about this grinding the game to halt with spend 50 gold on what your background gave you. It seems a little.
0: Yeah. I mean, how, how often do does equipment come up in the game anymore? I mean, it used to be like the, your equipment is saving your life, right. For AD and D yeah. yeah. now, how, how often does it come up it, for some games it may come up all the time for your average game beyond yeah. second level. I doubt that it comes up at all. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a, It's a it's a thing that a hopefully a survey will let people know if they enjoy spending an hour going through the equipment list with their 50 gold pieces or if they'd rather get into the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do we have time to talk about races?
1: Yeah, let's try to do that quickly.
0: we'll we'll get it into races. Uh, Your note here, I think, pretty much says it all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Are we still saying the word race in D&D one? Mm
0: hmm. Yeah. Uh yeah,
1: we we are.
0: That. We are. Uh and I I would love to get rid of races. That's just me. I can understand why it is a thing in terms of storytelling. You want to set a number of creatures and give them a a story in your world. Um it's one of the sacred cows of D&D. It's been around for The all of the additions and hard to break away from that um, without upsetting a large number of people
1: yeah you know i'm okay with that in in the sense that like you know i just visited amsterdam for work and i did want to know the story of amsterdam and its people which of course is not just dutch people Mm -hmm. Uh, but but i did want to know you know what's what's this place like? And, and that's a hard thing to do with a game mm-hmm. because the game is, is it's really a lot easier to say like, you know, all Dutch are elves. They are, you know, the following right. characteristics when it's really a, a super diverse, complicated thing that has involved a lot of movement, a lot of migrations, mm-hmm. all sorts of things, immigration, all kinds of, it's, it's and, and of course, nobody's just one thing. Right. But, but the name to me, is just a, a big problem piece, and mm-hmm. and that part to me creates a big stumbling block because it's not even correct, and it and it's not what it's trying to tell us. So why are we using this word race?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um Concept wise, you know what we get here is we get a, a most of the races that we would expect with a couple of surprises, mm-hmm. uh, both in terms of changes and additions. So we get. Ardlings, as a new race from the celestial planes, and they come in three varieties exalted, heavenly, idyllic to reflect sort of the planes and their alignment. And this is maybe tied to sort of planescape development. Yeah, they can sort of fly a bit, but they have to land at the end of it. They get spells, um, they have beast faces. I, um, I don't know that I want something this fantastic in my base level but I felt that way about Dragonborn too with e Right. Um
0: and Dragonborn are right here. Uh and Dragonborn are here, yeah. Yeah. As, as are orcs. Uh so well
1: and orcs are interesting because what is now gone from 5.5 5 or 1 is uh half anything. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is that if you are say a half elf or a half orc, you, What you really are is orc plus human or elf plus human, and so pick one to describe yourself. And Chris Sims uh, and Paco Garcia on their show Making Great Dungeons & Dragons discussed this issue, and, and I love the point they made that this is a case where mechanics is not meeting your expectation because when you say you want to be a half-elf or a half-orc, what you are saying is, I want a mashup. Mm-hmm. I'm excited by the idea of this combination, and what the rules are telling you is pick one. Well, if I wanted to pick one, I would have been an elf, or I would have been a human, mm-hmm. but I'm not. I'm a half elf, and you know maybe we just want to say, well, there are no halves anymore. But 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 that's what I think players want, and it, and it certainly matches what I want. I, when I play a half orc, I want to. In fact, if I look at my half work that I play all the time, you've met him with streaming games, I'm always mixing those two sides. And I, have, I think about my two parents and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And to me, this feels like we're trying to avoid problems by, by having you choose one, but it doesn't please the narrative side of it.
0: Yeah. It's it's just part and parcel of the whole problem of, of having races to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I I mean, we can, we can talk, we can dig down into each one, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if, if there's anything really, Yeah, we could say dwarves now don't have stone cutting. They have tremor sense, which is (laughs) something they have to turn on and off um, to use. And can only use it a certain number of times per day. Uh, But I think
1: uh, at a high level, mm -hmm. I do worry that some of these changes Push what uh, backwards compatibility means. Like Dragonborn is a good example where we just got a whole bunch of versions in Fizzbands Mm -hmm. and now we've got a whole nother one. And it creates, yeah, it's still compatible. We can have, you know, three Dragonborn at the table, one from each source and they all still work. Yeah. But someone's going to go, that's the better one, right? Mm -hmm. That's the optimized one. Go with the one in Fizzbands or, you know, if you want slightly more damage for your breath, go with, uh, you know, I you yeah. know, like <laughs> that, that gives me pause. I don't know that there's a great answer, but it's like, you just finished redesigning the dragonborn from mm-hmm. the perspective of your audience. I'm sure they designed it, you know, two years ago, but it's, uh, it's hard. And, um, and I think dwarves too, you know, you're going to have some adventures that talk about using stone cunning and now it isn't what it was. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Are is it, worth making that change to create that kind of confusion. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's sort of the same thing as, as backgrounds it's, you know, choose your race and get the story aspects of it. Get, get the, the role playing aspects of it, but let's, I'm fine with either giving a list of possible, uh, mechanical things you could get from a race and choose a few, or just put everything in, in class again. You know what I thought of when class went first? The first hmm. thing I thought of was late in fourth edition, where you were getting super specialized powers, like half orcs, half orc fighters get to, uh, choose, the, they can replace their first level, uh, daily power with this one because they're half right. orc or, uh, dungeon world where you choose your class first. And one of the sub choices is what race are you? And depending on what race you choose, you get a completely different ability uh, for the race for your class, as opposed to, uh, you know, choosing different ones. Uh, your, your race does that. And I'm not saying that's better, but that's, right. that was the first thing I thought of in terms of sort of game design coolness uh, is then you can start playing around with, with that. If you choose class first and, Give, give racial choices as opposed to racial packages?
1: Oh, it's really interesting. It, it's a hard design question yeah. for sure. Yeah, uh, which, which is <laughs> why we've been looking at updating 5e and what it means. Um, it does, I mean race built, carries, as, as you know, we have in our notes, it carries so much weight mm-hmm. to how players see their character uh it carries so much fictional weight right from lord of the rings to Mm -hmm. Dragonlance to any of these right like like you know i mean just the elves and the dwarves thing right that alone you could write books analyzing what this what these are like and therefore it leaves such a strong impression on us while at the same time we have this part of us that wants to say well yeah but your character can be anything Mm -hmm. um but that's one of the things, too, that I, I thought, like reading this package, there's very little lore here. Right. You know, like the gnome, I'm looking at the gnome right now, and it's just two paragraphs about what they're like. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah.
1: And I kind of want more, to be honest. But See, I, I don't. Know that I don't. Writing more is dangerous or <laughs> right. hard, right? But right. it's like, I, I do. Well, because otherwise, if you're brand new, mm-hmm. what is a gnome, right? What is a halfling? What what is it that that unites them as peoples? I, I think that is a valid.
0: It, it, it is, but that that information belongs in the setting book. That information doesn't belong in the character creation, to me. Uh,
1: yes, but geez, the setting books don't have that, right? And like,
0: but maybe they will in in one D anD. d Maybe maybe you were talking about what can we sell, right? Mm-hmm. You can sell setting books, and you can get an extra ten pages by describing what yeah, like what the, what those races mean in that sense. And then when the player comes to the table and says, I want to play a character who's really smart and who invents things mm. in, in, uh, in Eberron or in Forgotten Realms, that's the gnome. Maybe in some other setting, that's the orcs. Uh, right. And then yes. you can, you can tailor it yeah. to, to what, what that, you know, the DM is running a game in a setting or creating their own setting and they can do whatever they want with that.
1: I like that. I like that. Uh, Because then what it would force this book to do, because, you know, if you look at elf, it's like created by the God Corallon. Is that Mm -hmm. in all settings? Right. You know? um, So, so yeah, it would be interesting if these really were pared down to what is sort of multiversal. Mm -hmm. And then you say, our setting books will add this. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I like that idea. I'm sold on it.
0: Okay. Good. Sold.
1: If, if you could just make that happen, Sean,
0: I will, I will, well, I'll tell you what I will do is I will make that happen for any company that I'm working for.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's really interesting. Yep.
0: Hmm. All right. I, we've been going a little over an hour, I think. So yeah. why don't we, we will definitely be talking about this next time. We will have even more news and we will be talking about feats, spells, inspiration, critical hits, critical failure conditions, and grappling uh next time uh as well as continuing our investigation of fifth edition and sort of the larger concepts around it. And with that, uh thank you, Teos, for sharing your uh just massive, massive knowledge of role playing games with all of us. They involve dice. They thank you, do Sean. It's, hey. a,
1: it's a pleasure. I was, look, you know, I was excited about this news because I wanted to hear your perspective on it. Uh, and you did not disappoint.
0: Same. I wanted to hear yours. And thank you to our patrons out there uh, who give us a bit every month to help us out. And thank you to our listeners. Uh, and anybody who listens to the show and then gives us feedback. Um, if you would like to become a patron of the show, you can go to patreon.com MMP. If you'd like to give some feedback on the show, you can do so online in many, many places. You can talk to Teos or I or both of us. Where can people talk to you, Teos?
1: Ooh, uh, through my blog, alphastream.org. Uh, from there, you can find my YouTube channels. Leave me feedback there. You can find me on Twitter at Alphastream. Where are you hiding these days, Sean?
0: I am hiding on Twitter at Sean Merwin. Uh, you can get us on YouTube on the Misdirected Mark YouTube channel. Uh, you can talk to us on the forums at forums.misdirectedmark.com. You can go to uh, mas- uh, not Mastering Dungeons, misdirectedmark.com, and talk to us on our homepage there, or you can talk to us on Twitter at the tag at Mastering Mastering Dungeons is a Misdirected Mark production. So, Teos, we just did a lot with 1D&D, and what are we going to do now?
1: Uh, In honor of Drizzt Mania, I'm going to make a custom background where I am a Drizzt fanboy.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I thought you were going to say, we're going to go kill a thousand orcs. I'm going to
1: call my uh, character Sean Merwin. Yeah. Well, i fan number one. Yeah,
0: that's me. That's me. <laughs>